The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. <laughs> Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. I am your host, James Murphy, a.k.a. Murph, and welcome to episode number 178. I almost said 79 because I'm looking at my YouTube calendar, and the first one that I see is 79 because I've already adjusted my calendar for the month of February. So I almost slipped up there, but not, not, didn't get me. Gonna have to do better than that to get me. Um, couple quick things before we dive into it. Uh, if you guys notice any difference in how I sound or just the audio quality, please let me know because I'm trying a different pop filter for my microphone. Typically, I've used like a foam head microphone filter that goes over the head of the microphone, like you know, one of those foamy things, like the black pop filters. However, I'm now I'm using a like a windscreen that kind of goes in front of it. That kind of it, it's supposed to catch. Like, you know, when I talk and, like, the air that comes out out of, like, B, P, T, like, you know, the air, puh, puh, puh. So, hopefully that this uh, new windscreen does a lot better than the pop filter that I did have. Hopefully it can eliminate a little bit of staticness and just overall sounds better. So, I am using a different technique and I'm going to be doing, using this for the foreseeable future. So, just let me know how this works. I would love to hear your feedback. But we have a interesting episode to dive into. Obviously, we need to talk about the Bill O'Brien hire for the New England Patriots. We'll touch on that. I want to talk a little Celtic for the first time in seemingly forever. And of course, we need to discuss the NFC and of course the AFC championship games that will be happening this weekend. But before we do anything... Again, thank you guys so much for joining me today for episode number 178. 
I'm so thankful for you guys to be able to join me. Thank you so much for downloading, listening, and enjoying on all audio-only platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Amazon Music, wherever you listen to your podcast, you can find Murph's Boston Sports Talk. So again, thank you so much for downloading, listening, and enjoying. And if you're listening to this on YouTube, thank you so much for clicking on the video. Thank you so much for checking out the channel. Please make sure you like, comment, and of course, subscribe to the channel. If you're new or haven't considered subscribing, I would greatly appreciate the love and support. Before we dive into our topics, has anyone ever been out, whether it's to a restaurant, a sporting game, a bar, and you know the music's so loud you just find yourself yelling just to talk to the person next to you? Oh uh, yeah, that was me last night. After trade night, great trade night, I picked up a ton of stuff, which you guys will see next week. Uh, when, when, when will I put it out? Uh, trade night pickups will be on February 5th, actually, so stay tuned for that. But after trade night, and the vlog will be out on the 7th. So after trade night, went over to Bar 101, which is a nice restaurant, you know, have sports games on, they got good f- food. And I'm talking to a couple buddies, and I'm, I just find myself yelling just to talk to them. And then, you know, I go home that night and my throat's like sore as shit just because of all the, the stress it had from yelling. And I'm like, ugh, this is going to be terrible because I have to record tomorrow. Today, not too bad. Still a little sore. So if I sound, you know, raspy, if I sound horsey, yeah, just just forgive me, please. I'll, I'll barrel through it, I promise. But Bill O'Brien. So I do want to touch upon this, and there's not too, too much to talk about because, A, this seemed so obvious for the Patriots. It seemed so necessary. But how important is this? How important is Bill O'Brien to the Patriots? Well, for context, he was an assistant coach for the Patriots in like the 2000s, and he became the offensive coordinator when Josh McDaniels left, I believe in 2010 and 2011. Goes on to be Penn State's head coach for a bit. Goes on to be the Texans' head coach. And then after he gets fired from the Texans, he goes on to be Alabama's offensive coordinator for a couple seasons. And now he's back in the NFL being the Patriots' offensive coordinator. So again, what is the importance of this? It's Sorry, I'm drinking some C4, so the can kind of popped when I was putting it down. Uh, Yeah, remember our C4 conversation? So... At the store, they have like a case of C4 where you get like 18 of them for like, I think 30 bucks. Um, Much cheaper, much, much cheaper than the gas station, I'll tell you that. And I've had it before, but the strawberry watermelon ice is in contention for one of my favorites. I always go back and forth between that one, the orange creamsicle, and the grape. I forget what the grape one called. Grape crush, I think it is. I don't know. It's delicious. Sorry, I got sidetracked the Patriots offense total yards last year total offensive yards excuse me 314.6 total yards per game last season that ranked 26th in the NFL could you tell me besides the Cam Newton year I don't even know if it was even that bad that year to be honest when the total yards per game was that low for the Patriots probably never so this is an article from profootballtalk.nbc and it's an article written by Josh Alper on the 27th, which is today. Wow, really? This article came out less than 20 minutes ago. That is hilarious. That is so funny. All right, let me read it. It's titled, Bill O'Brien, 
looking forward to working with Bill Belichick, doing what's best for Patriots. I'd love to hear it. After a rough season on offense, the Patriots made a move they hope will push things in a better direction when they hired Bill O'Brien as their offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach this week. O'Brien was previously on the Patriots staff from 2007 to 2011, like I already mentioned, and he left in order to become head coach at Penn State. Oh, I already mentioned. Um, he spent two years and went to the Texans. I already mentioned all that. Uh, he spent the last two years as the offensive coordinator at Alabama and said in an interview with the team's in-house media that he's excited to bring those experiences with him to New England. Excuse me. O'Brien said the chance to return to the Patriots was one he couldn't pass up and said the chance to work with head coach Bill Belichick again was of particular interest. Quote, I'm looking forward to getting back and working with Bill, working for Bill, and doing what's best for the team, O'Brien said. Quote, that's what this place is all about. The Patriots put the offense in the hands of two returning coaches in 2022, but Matt Patricia and Joe Judge don't have the experience that O'Brien brings to the table, and the Patriots are betting that will make for a more successful reunion. Uh, is that the rest of it? Yeah, that is the rest of it. You know, it's it's an obvious move. The Patriots needed to bring in an offensive coordinator, a guy that has offensive experience, offensive play calling experience. And you know, at the beginning of the offseason, the direction, the, you know, the obvious was of course Bill O'Brien. Then there was someone else on the table like Adam Gase. There was Cliff Kingsbury even on the table. Just somebody, somebody that has offense in their repertoire, which Matt Patricia and Joe Judge do not. Matt Patricia, great defensive coordinator during his time. Joe Judge, a great special teams coach during his time. However, both of them calling offense is not not what this team needed, and I just don't understand why that that was the route that Bill Belichick went at the start of the 2022 season. You know, Bill Belichick and Nick Saban at Alabama are buddy buddies and, you know, I was listening on the radio, I think, yesterday and, or last night, maybe. And someone brought up, like, he probably couldn't sign or he couldn't hire Bill O'Brien last year because Bill O'Brien's contract with Alabama ran two years. And Nick Saban's publicly stated how teams will pluck his coaches and he's not a fan of it, especially when there's, like, tenure left on their contract. So because... Bill Belichick respects Nick Saban in that relationship. He waited. He's like, I won't take Bill O'Brien this year. Hence why we got the Matt Patricia and Joe Judge year. However, when Bill O'Brien's contract was up after his two-year deal with Alabama, Bill Belichick swooped in there and took him. You know, it makes sense if that is true, which it very well could be. And it absolutely makes sense, especially when Nick Saban is able to give Bill Belichick good information on you know, the players at Alabama and allows Bill Belichick to potentially make smarter draft choices. Recent draft choices from Alabama include Mac Jones, Christian Barmore, Damian Harris, uh, Anthony Jennings. So it, you just want to make sure you don't ruin that relationship, especially from a top-tier college football program in the SEC where they just produce talent left and right. So it was absolutely obvious. It was absolutely crucial to the Patriots needed to make this move. And I really feel like there's not that much more to talk about about this. What does this bring for the Patriots moving forward? Well, we don't know yet. Obviously, the offense is going to be in much better hands. The play calling is going to be better. You know, practices are going to be much more efficient. 
But the Patriots still have holes to fill on offense. They still need wide receivers. They'll probably need to replace Jonu Smith. I mean, what are they going to do with Damien Harris? Offensive line. I mean, there's still a lot of questions outside of offensive coordinator that the Patriots do need to address, which hopefully they will address with their full attention in due time. But I do want to switch over to the Boston Celtics here, and I want to talk to them for the first time in, again, seemingly a very long time, it seems like. And I just want to talk about where this team is going, what the direction of this team is looking like. They've lost three straight, and they're seven of ten, or seven and three in their last ten games. I believe they just had a nine game win streak snapped, and now they're losing three in a row, which, hey, it happens. Teams go up, teams go down, teams will go on good stretches, teams will go on bad stretches. It happens. It absolutely happens. However, the thing that really causes me concern with the Celtics' most recent three-game skid is the fact it's all without Marcus Smart. And people in the past, they loved the draft, they wanted to trade him, they wanted to keep him, they wanted to extend him, they wanted to trade him, they wanted to let him go, they wanted to keep him, trade him, whatever. It's just been Celtics fans have been all over the map with how they feel about Marcus Smart. And I think, what is he now, 28, 29? I think at this point in his career... The general perception is that people do like him. People do love him. And, you know, Marcus Smart's been thrown into a bunch of different hypothetical proposed trades to bring in, you know, high-class, high-tier talent. And you know what? Maybe those conversations were had. But one thing that I do know is the Celtics absolutely need Marcus Smart for numerous reasons. A, he's your hypothetical captain. He's been here the longest. He's seen the highs. He's seen the lows. Two, he is a fan favorite to a lot of people. I love Marcus Smart. A lot of people love Marcus Smart. And you need that type of you know, player on your team. He's not the best player on our team, but he's one of the most beloved players on our team. And I think that's really crucial for team chemistry. And, and that brings me to my third point, the team chemistry. I really do think Marcus Smart, he may not be the glue, but like he kind of is in a sense. Like He, he has that leadership. And you know he's still young, but he knows... Hey, let's calm down. Let's calm down. Let's focus on this. Let's get a stop. Hey, you know, you're, you're hot right now. Hey, we're, we're going to feed you the ball. Like, he knows these little things. And he's able to think within the moment. And I think that's really crucial for a guy his age, for a player of his caliber. Because, you know, years ago, years past, he would put up a ton of shots. He would miss a bunch of shots. And it was very upsetting. And that's why a lot of people wanted him out the door because he was shooting a ton of threes and a ton of shots in general for no reason at all. But I think he's really grown as a player, and he's really developed all for the better. But the fourth thing is, and it's kind of one of the most obvious, is his defense. He brings such a defensive presence to the table. The New York Knicks, granted it was an overtime, scored 120 points last night. 19 of it to R.J. Barrett, 37 to Julius Randle, 29 to Jalen Brunson, 17 to Emmanuel Quickly. I strongly do feel that if Marcus Smart's there, it's a completely different game. And those that replaced him, Malcolm Brogdon, 34 minutes, 10 points. Derek White, 28 minutes, 15 points. Uh, let's see, Peyton Pritchett, 13 minutes, 7 points. So it's just like these guys, Derek White and Malcolm Brogdon, are still going to get a ton, a ton of minutes. A ton of minutes. But like, not that Marcus Smart's a 30-point scorer, but he can bring you 15 to 20 a night plus play elite defense. And I really do think that Marcus Smart changes the outcomes of 
all these games, whereas, let me find it, lost by three to the Knicks. I'd say Marcus Smart can easily make up three points offensively or defensively. Three points to the Miami Heat. Again, he could probably make that up offensively or defensively. And then the Magic. For some odd reason, the Celtics just can't beat the damn Orlando Magic. Doesn't matter where it is. Doesn't matter when it is. Doesn't matter who's playing or who's not playing. The Magic just find a way to beat the Celtics. What are they, 3-0 this year against the Celtics? Unbelievable. Will Marcus Smart change that outcome? You know what? Looking at the track record, I'm going to say no. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say no. But in a vacuum, for my point, you know, against the Heat, against the Knicks, you lose by six altogether, three and three. Marcus Smart does make a difference there. And, you know, we've seen him make tremendous differences in previous games, whether it's games against the Bucks in the playoffs, the Warriors in the playoffs, or as of late against the Nets, against the Warriors, against the Raptors, whatever it may be. And the Celtics do need him. And I really do believe that if the Celtics want to have a legitimate shot to go deep into the playoffs, they're going to need Marcus Smart. They're going to need Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And speaking of Jalen Brown, those two missed free throws last night, you cannot have happen. They're free for a reason. At least make effing one. At least make one. Not going to say, you know, you're going to win the game if you make one. But like, oh my God. It was a... It was a sight to see. But overall, the Celtics are doing good. But again, I still have concerns. How sustainable is this high-level play for the Boston Celtics? How sustainable is it? You know, the 35-15, and 15, again, they had a nine-game winning streak. They're on a three-game losing streak. They're 7-3 and three in their last 10 games, 17-9 and nine away, 18-6 and six at home. A ton of good signs a ton of great signs but again still early I know the season's like half over but like what about in March and April before the playoffs what is it is this team going to be able to win crucial games against like the Bucks against the 76ers maybe against the Cavaliers who are fifth right now when it comes time for the ticky tacky determining home court advantage and the seeding for the Eastern Conference. Like, yeah, right now they're number one in the um, in the East. They're two and a half games up on the 76ers, three games up on the Bucks, which is all great. It's all dandy. But again, every team goes through good 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 moments, nine game winning streaks. Every team's gonna go through a three game losing streak. But how can you, as the Celtics, stop that three game losing streak tomorrow, Saturday? against your arch rival, the Los Angeles Lakers, when LeBron James is oh so close to breaking the NBA all-time scoring record. Can you come out, with or without Marcus Smart, beat the Lakers on your home court, stop a three-game losing streak, and, I mean, I don't know where LeBron stands. Let me see. LeBron points. Let's look at that tracker. Oh, let's see where he has 158 points to go. Okay, so he's obviously not going to break it against the the Celtics, right? But he's three, four games away. I mean, three is kind of a stretch, but I don't know. Four games, I guess, is also a stretch. I mean, that's 40 points a night. But listen, it's possible. It's possible, especially with LeBron James. But like again, this is that level of build up for history 
LeBron's going to want to take a huge chunk out of that 158 against the Celtics. Maybe a back-and-forth win. Maybe he hits a couple clutch shots. I mean, we've seen LeBron come in here before and beat the Celtics. On on the Celtics' home court, I'm trying to find the words, like at the Garden, you know, with the Lakers, with the Heat, with the um, the Cavs, it's happened. So there's just a couple different variables and factors that the Celtics need to kind of you know, really, you know, hone in on to really get themselves back on right on the right track. They got the Lakers tomorrow. They got the Nets on Wednesday, the first, and then the Suns have been disappointing, but they're still a pretty good team overall. So you have a couple of tough games coming up over the course of the next week. Can you turn a three-game losing streak back into a three-game winning streak, so you can look like you're going? Would that be 12 and three in your last 15? That's very impressive. You got the Pistons, that should be a layup. But then you have the 76ers, the Hornets, that's a layup. Grizzlies is going to be a tough game. Bucks is going to be a tough game. So there's a couple easy games, but there's also a couple tough games coming up over the course of February. But again, how can you overcome adversity? And that's what I want to see the Celtics do. Oftentimes, teams will start off crazy hot and then they'll fizzle out. And then they can just never. They can just never rebound. Look at the Yankees this past year on pace for like 140 wins or whatever the hell it was. Then they sizzled. They collapsed. Yeah, they made it to the um, ALCS. That was it. That was it. Done. Poof. See you later. So, again, I don't think that the Celtics are going to absolutely fall off the face of the earth if they're not able to beat the Lakers. But, again, it would do tremendous. It would be so wonderful in terms of a whole momentum shift locker room feel good swing you know build vibes just really get the guys riled up and going is if you're able to face your arch rivals who have beat you in nba finals in the history where it is known that you both hate each other on your home court after a couple tough games and where the lakers are still battling for their own playoff um positioning where they are currently Oof, 13, but they're, what are they? They're one game away from 10 from the play-in spot. So the Lakers have a lot to play for as well. And, of course, the whole history thing with LeBron, you know, he wants to try to break this record as soon as damn possible. How do you come out tomorrow? How do you come out against the next couple of games? That's what I want to see from the Celtics. And, I, you know, listen, Celtics have had some lulls this season, and then they've come back. They've lost, like, two or three, and then they've won seven in a row. So I'd like to see them get back on the right track, especially against a tough opponent. Although the Lakers' record doesn't show it, still the Lakers, still LeBron. He's chasing history. They're fighting for playoff spots. It's going to be a good game Saturday night at the Garden. Can not complain. All right, let's talk about the NFL, but I need a sip first. I need a quick sip. Ah, that was good. That was good. Let's talk about the NFL. We'll start with the NFC because that's just the first game on Sunday at 3 o'clock. San Francisco 49ers visit the Philadelphia Eagles for the NFC championship game. Personally, I could care less who wins. I hate the Eagles, so in a vacuum, I would want the 49ers to win. Just in a vacuum. But this whole damn Brock Purdy nonsense is just wild. Oh, it is so, so damn annoying. Everybody comes in. Do you have any Brock Purdy? Do you have any Brock Purdy? Do you have any Brock Purdy? It's like, listen, 
The story is awesome. I absolutely love the story. Um, hold on, I'm just trying to do a little research here. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. I think what Brock Purdy is doing from a quarterback, from a player um, perspective, is fantastic. I really do. And I love it. I love the story. I hope him all the best. And I hope he turns out to be the next pseudo Tom Brady because that's what a lot of people are comparing him to. But the NFL side of thing, you know, NFL perspective and just the game of football. Can we put that aside for a second so I can address the sports card hobby, which again, a lot of listeners to Murph's Boston Sports Talk also collect sports cards, are also into the hobby. So I really want to bring this up and I really want to talk about this. Um, Hold on. I want to go to eBay and I type in E-A-B-Y. It is just really bad. Um, Give me a second. I want to do a little comparison here. And if I can find, go to sold. Always go to sold. There we go. The card's upside down in the picture. That's funny. All right. Why is this that much? Whatever. All right. So his value, Brock Purdy's value, is so damn high. I have no idea why. And Mosaic is like one of the big four products, uh, you know, afford- affordably, but very nice. Mosaic, Select, Optic, Prism, right? Your big three is your National Treasures, your Immaculate, and your Flawless. That is the big three upper echelon, but they're also very unaffordable for a lot of people. Whereas the big four of affordable products, your Prism, Mosaic, Optic, Select, is affordable for people. And I just want to put this into comparison and just put it into perspective as well. In a vacuum, who would you rather have as your quarterback for the next 10 years? Brock Purdy or Joe Burrow? Just in a vacuum. In a vacuum, say you're building a team for the next 10 years, right? You can build it however you want. Run heavy, pass heavy, uh, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Travis Kelsey. Uh, you can put anybody and everybody. But you, your number one pick is your quarterback. Who are you picking? I would probably think most people are going to take Joe Burrow. Just kind of going to guess. And like 97% people will take Joe Burrow. Just because he's got the talent. He's got that it factor. He's proven to be able to go to the playoffs, go to the Super Bowl, win big games, beat Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City. Like it's just really good resume for a young career. 
So why do I ask that? Because right now, if you were to buy a Joe Burrow base mosaic rookie card, which again, I'm going to use mosaic because it's one of the hottest products on the market. You could have bought a base Joe Burrow rookie card for $8. Then there was another one that did $16.50. So let's just call it $12. Let's just average those two out at $12. That's for a base Joe Burrow mosaic rookie card. Okay, right? Let's just keep that in the back of our mind. A Brock Purdy base mosaic rookie card 35 and 53 what do you what do we want to average that out to um trying to think call it 42 you know so i i think you know 42 dollars it's a 30 dollar difference why because he's on an eight game winning streak well okay the bengals are very doing very well themselves it just makes no sense to me. So the reason why I bring this up is because all these people, I'm getting so stressed out by this because I, it's, it's so, I people need to understand that this Brock Purdy card will be a $10 card in three to four months when Prism comes out, when Select comes out, when Optic comes out, when Flawless comes out, when NT and Immaculate for NFL comes out. It's going to fall down. This card is not going to sustain a 50 or so dollar value it's not i mean a week ago it was a 50 60 dollar card with a ton of sales no less than 40 dollars but most of them above 50 it's just there's so much volume on base mosaic cards it's just un effing believable i'm trying to find like last week i scroll all the way down to the bottom of the page and i'm only on january 26th today's the 27th like look here's 24th all right this is just January 24th, 43, 45, 45, 55, 46, 50, 60. It's just like, what are we doing? What are we doing? And again, if we're going to call just in a vacuum, Joe Burrow better than Brock Purdy, then why are Joe Burrow base mosaic cards averaging to $12? Like I just scrolled where I just missed it. I just scrolled down to, again, still January 24th. $60, 64, 60, 55, 45, 50, 49, 55, 50, 61, 52, 54, 52. It just goes on and on and on and on. Guys, please, please listen to me. Stop buying Brock Purdy base mosaic cards. That base card is not going to turn out to be a $500 card like you may think it could. Because again, who are you going to build a team around? Probably Joe Burrow. As of now, as it stands, January 27, 2023, who has done more in their career? Joe Burrow. Who has more upside over the next 10 to 15 years at the quarterback position? Joe Burrow. It's just, it's wildly bizarre. Again, Joe Burrow, I think, is a very good comp, and it's obviously on the opposite end of the spectrum for, in terms of the draft. Joe Burrow won one. Brock Purdy last pick it's just people just don't understand and they're just buying blindly buying into the hype and I'm not and I'm not trying to say this to make fun of them I'm not I'm trying to educate I'm trying to educate you that don't do it listen if you want to spend $500 on a nice one of five 
four color RPA, by all means, go ahead. One of five, four color RPA, absolutely. $50 for a base mosaic rookie card, no shot. Guys, please just be smart. Like, listen, I understand it's your money. You do whatever you want with it. It's just, you're not going to find me buying these mosaic base cards for $50. You're just not going to. Too many. And we could do this about Justin Herbert, too. Um, you know, I'm just using Joe Burrow here as a comparison. Um, Justin Herbert, 1050. Boom. Top first one, 1050. Um, 276. 401, $5, $4. Just think twice. <laughs> think twice. It's not, it's going to be a $10 card in three to four months. Oh my God, but he could win the Super Bowl and the story would be crazy. Fantastic. Is it going to be a $60 card in two weeks? And then what about four months from then? What is it going to be once we get Prism, once we get Optic, Select, and every everything else under the sun? Those mosaic base cards are not sustainable. A lot of people are driving the market up, and a lot of people are blindly buying those cards because they think it's going to be a $100 card. Um, I just want to go back to Joe Burrow because I like Joe Burrow because he's in the playoffs. Um, let's just look up what a, a PSA 10 does of a Joe Burrow base mosaic. January 24th, Joe Burrow PSA 10 base mosaic rookie card. Sold for a hundred dollars, and then there's another one that did ninety. So again, again, that Brock Purdy base mosaic card is not going to be a hundred dollars raw. It's just not gonna. I'm sorry to disappoint you. It's just it's a base. It's everywhere. I I just okay. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done talking about. It. Let let's let's just get back to the game. You guys know my standpoint on this just be smart don't ruin yourself in the hobby don't you know skew the market for whatever reason it's a great young it's a great story but again he hasn't faced adversity and this is going to kind of pivot back into the eagles versus 49ers uh discussion is brock purdy yeah he's on an eight game winning streak which is fantastic and good for him again i love the story i hope him all the best and i really from a football perspective hope he just goes nuts but he hasn't faced adversity yet. He hasn't been down. I think I've, I said this even last episode. He hasn't been down eight points. I'm sorry, uh, two possessions with eight minutes to go. How can he lead his team down the field in three minutes, get a touchdown, hope his defense can get the ball back with, say, three minutes to go, two minutes to go, and he can lead his team again? We haven't seen that yet from him. And his team is so good with the weapons around him that – he hasn't needed to be in that position. So again, how does he face adversity? Is it Brock Purdy that's leading the ship in that uh, 49ers, what, 10, 11-game winning streak, whatever the hell it is now? Eight, no, I think it's 8-game winning streak, 9-game winning streak, whatever game. Because you have George Kittle, all-pro tight end. Debo Samuel, all-pro wide receiver. Um, Brandon Ayuk, fantastic season. Then you have Christian McCaffrey, all-pro running back. Trent Williams, all-pro left tackle. Like, the line is good. The receivers are good. The tight end is good. The running back is good. Um, could we just plug and play any random quarterback and they would succeed with that Kyle Shanahan offense? 
just could we put any quarterback in there? Could we put Bailey Zappi? Could we put Brian Hoyer? Could we put Malik Willis? Could we put Joe Burrow? Could we just put friggin' Tyrod Taylor, Josh Dobbs, anybody? You like how I just kind of grab quarterbacks from everywhere? Or is it actually Brock Purdy? And I'm so hesitant and I'm so paused to say that it is Brock Purdy because I haven't seen enough yet. I haven't. He extends plays. He is able to make plays. He can make the throw. He can make the reads. But again, he hasn't faced adversity yet. In last week against the Cowboys, although the 49ers did win 19-12, to but that Cowboys defense played very well. That Cowboys defense played great enough to win. It's just the offense that held them back. And it's a conversation for another day. But again, Brock Purdy threw a few balls that should have been intercepted. That could have been intercepted. And I think people are just kind of not realizing that. They're overlooking that because they still ended up winning the game. If the Cowboys won that game and Brock Purdy almost made those mistakes or even did make those mistakes, what's the narrative now? Again, great story. But is he cracking? Is he cracking with the competition getting better? Because that first game against the Seahawks was a close game for the first half. And then the 49ers, I think their talent was just too good for the Seahawks to keep up. When the Cowboys defense has talent and star power on the defensive side of the ball, Brock Purdy's inexperience, his late-round draft pick, his rookiness, it all showed. And when he goes up against an Eagles defense who had 70 effing sacks this year, and they have all pro players all over the defense, and they have pro bowlers all over the defense, and they have veteran experience all over the defense. It's going to be very interesting to see how Brock Purdy can handle that. (coughs) Excuse me. And see how he can micromanage the line of scrimmage to keep the tight end, to keep the running back in, to you know do this and do that in such a fast-paced, a hostile environment in the biggest game of the season to date. And if he's able to do that, say he's able to, he throws two picks, 250 yards, two touchdowns, um, and he was down by two possessions in the fourth quarter and still able to win because the offense put it together. And we're going to have a different conversation here next week. We are. But again, until then, I'm I'm a, I'm going to I'm just going to pause on on my overall arching opinions about him. But nonetheless, who do I think is going to win this game? It's going to be a really good game. I just listen, both offenses are good, both defenses are good. Home field will play an advantage, especially where the 49ers have a rookie quarterback. He makes one mistake, those rabid Philly fans are going to be all over him. All over him. And I again, I want to see how he's able to come back from that kind of adversity. Will the Eagles be able to show that rookie in Brock Purdy? Will they be able to force him to make mistakes that he hasn't yet made? Will Jalen Hurts still rise to the occasion? He's looked good. Well, he looked fantastic in the divisional round game against the Giants. You know, it looks like that shoulder injury is almost a thing of the past. I think it's going to be a good game overall. I do believe pound for pound, punch for punch, these two teams are very, very even. But just the slight experience that Jalen Hurts has I think will outweigh Brock Purdy I think Jalen Hurts is a better quarterback than Brock Purdy 
And again, home field advantage is going to play a huge factor, hence why I'm going to give the Eagles the edge here in this game, and I'm going to pick the Eagles to win as much as much as I hate picking the Eagles to win this game because I absolutely do hate the Eagles, but I will be picking them to win this game, unfortunately. Switching over to the AFC, where it, there's less to talk about because, you know, Brock Purdy's not in the AFC. Joe Burrow kind of already talked about him. Patrick Mahomes, though, and everybody, everybody's been talking about his ankle, and I guess I will too for a couple moments. Yeah, he could be ready to go, and he will be ready to go, and he will play. But again, it's that back ankle. It's that right ankle, but, you know, when he's throwing, it's his back foot. One bad move, one bad juke, it could even be a throw he makes, pressure that he feels and gets hit, one bad sack, one bad tackle, whatever, and he's going to be back to square one. High ankle sprains do not heal in one week. They just don't. And and Mahomes is a tough guy, and he's going to fight through it. And he's going to do everything he can to be ready ready to go for Sunday, as he should. But again, his mobility is going to be limited. How much is he going to be able, how much, you know, oomph is he going to be able to put on the ball when he throws it? You know, I know he likes to throw a lot from like the side and he likes to flick the wrist and make these fancy throws and he's a lot of arm. But is he going to be a lot of, you know, just arm throwing in this game because he's not able to push off that back foot because of the ankle? I suspect I would suspect so. I really do think that that ankle is really going to hinder him. I really really do. I think it's going to be an absolute problem. Will the Bengals be able to capitalize just you know, do you want Mahomes out of the pocket? Because he is a threat not to run for first downs, but he's a threat to scramble and move and extend plays and, of course, pick up the first down if he has to. So, like, if you're the Bengals, are you just trying to force pressure up the middle and get him out so he has to move and he has to run on that ankle? Why not? Keep a quarterback spy so when he does move, that spy can then, boom, go after him. Maybe you drop, maybe you don't send as much pressure. Maybe you drop more guys into coverage so there's less room for him to throw the ball. Meanwhile, that pressure is getting up the middle. He has to move. Here comes that spy. He can't move as well. The coverage is still good. <coughs> Excuse me. I need some water. I need a little water. So you, like, you guys see what like, I'm saying here? It's just like... It's a very interesting way on how the Bengals could play this. And obviously this ankle injury to Mahomes is only going to serve them and help them. But it's going to be very interesting to see how it goes. Again, pound for pound offenses, very similar. Patrick Mahomes is obviously slightly better than Joe Burrow. But Joe Burrow's weapons are better than Kansas City's. And I think that's going to play a huge factor, especially where Mahomes... Isn't going to be 100%. He may be like 75%. Can a 75% beat 100% Joe Burrow with Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd, even though that 75% Mahomes will have a Travis Kelsey? And then what? Juju? Darius Toney? Marquez Valdez-Scan? Like, you know, a bunch of good guys, but they're not Joe Burrow. Not T. Higgins. You know, it's not those A-listers. It's going to be a very, very interesting game for offense, for both offenses, right? Kansas City's defense, I've said this time and time, I'm not very impressed. I think they're 
going to get exposed at some point, and if there's a defense that will expose them, it will be, it will be the Cincinnati Bengals offense exposing the Kansas City defense. Home field obviously will play an advantage, but does it really though? Because Burrow is three and zero against Patrick Mahomes, and what won the last two in Arrowhead, or was all three in Arrowhead? I'm not sure. It's going to be a really good game. I'm really looking forward to this game. This game could arguably be the Super Bowl, in all honesty. Would the game be different? Could we expect a different outcome if Barrow, I'm sorry, if Mahomes was healthy? Possibly. But again, the lack of weapons that Mahomes has in comparison to Barrow, the Bengals' defense is just far better than the Chiefs' defense. It's going to be an uphill battle, honestly, for the Chiefs. It really will be. So I fully expect the Bengals to win this game and go back to the Super Bowl. I really do. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game, or at least the Bengals are going to put up a lot of points. Will the Chiefs be able to? I don't really know. But I do expect the Bengals to win this game and go on to the Super Bowl for the second year in a row facing the Philadelphia Eagles. So hopefully we had a good episode today for episode number 178. I feel like we covered a bunch of different topics, had really good in-depth discussions that I'm very excited to have had. I can't wait for next week's episode to talk about teams that will be in the Super Bowl, whether it's the 49ers, Eagles, going up against the Bengals or the Chiefs. Very excited for that. I want to continue to talk more Celtics with Celtics in full swing. Yeah, Bruins had a bad game last night, but you know what? They're still one of the hottest teams on the face of the planet on a historic pace to have the most or to be the fastest team to uh, certain points. I know they were just the fastest team to 80 points. Hopefully they can be the fastest team to 100 points. Hopefully they can break the point record for a season. Hopefully they can maybe beat the wins record for a season. They're just an absolute wagon right now. Hopefully they don't fall off. But tons of great things to talk about in upcoming episodes obviously football playoffs Celtics the Bruins Red Sox spring training is on the horizon the NFL draft free agency so much coming up I cannot wait to dive into it all with you guys but thank you thank you thank you for joining me for today's episode I really do appreciate it if you're listening to this on audio only platforms thank you so much for downloading listening and enjoying wherever you listen to your podcasts You can find Murph's Boston Sports Talk, so don't forget to download, listen, and, of course, enjoy. If you're listening to this on YouTube, thank you so much for clicking on the video. Please please make sure you like, comment, and, of course, subscribe to the channel if you're new or haven't considered subscribing. You can find me on social media at Murph's Card Town on Twitter, Instagram, and, of course, Facebook as well as I'm very active on social media because I want to engage with the community. Whatever you guys want to talk about from today's episode, Leave it down in the comments on YouTube. Reach out to me via social media, and let's further discuss what we talked about in today's episode. But that will do it for today's episode, guys. Thank you so much for joining me. Have an excellent weekend. Enjoy the slate of games, and I'll see you next week. But between now and then, you guys know that I love you, and I will always, always see you. Mike Rowe here with a radical idea. If you want to see more companies make more things in this country, buy more things from more companies who make things in this country. 
I refer in this case to the incredible t-shirts, sweatshirts, blue jeans, and more made by my friends at American Giant. Everything American Giant makes is made in the United States. And right now, you can take 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com slash Mike. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike.